Hi, everybody. Welcome to the She Said What podcast with your host, Alyssa Harper. That's me. What's up? In today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to actually start eating healthy. I get asked this all the time, and so I thought I might as well make a proper episode about it. Whether you want to do this because you want to look better or feel better or have more energy or have clearer skin or a better immune system or better gut health or any of these things, I totally get you. I feel you. We all want to feel better in our bodies. And I think this is so important that we take the time to make sure that we are eating things that are really fueling our bodies. This is going to be a really holistic episode just to give you guys an idea of what's coming up. I am not going to be telling you that you have to cut out all of these things. I'm not going to be telling you that you have to eat in any particular way. And it's all going to be really about you learning what works for your body. And it's going to be useful, helpful, realistic tips on getting yourself to actually eat healthier. I've had a lot of things that I've tried to do when it comes to my diet that hasn't worked. And these are the things after all of these years of me trying to diet um, where they actually have worked for me. And I really am excited to share these things with you. Not only is it going to be my experience, but it's going to be information that I've learned from doctors who talk about things like how these foods help your hormones and how these foods help your brain health. And I'm going to talk about those things as well. So you guys know that this isn't just me telling you guys my 10 favorite foods. This really is going to be practical, helpful tips on getting you guys to get some good foods into your body to feel better, look better, and live your best life. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I really hope you get something from it. Let's get into it. So for today's very honest thought, I'm so excited. I'm actually going to be sharing some honest thoughts that people have sent me over on Instagram. So I asked on my stories and you guys have sent through some very interesting ones. And I want to quickly go through these before we get into the proper topic of this episode. But of course, I love to do this little segment in the podcast because I think it's so important for us to really acknowledge these moments that we have throughout our week where we think, wow, that's a really interesting thought. Where did that come from? Or I, you know, I can't believe I think that way. Or, oh my gosh, I don't like that I think that way. Or how can I change this thing? You know, those little realizations that we have about who we are, I think it's so important that we actually acknowledge those things and work through those things and give ourselves the space for growth. And that's what I'm really trying to encourage with this segment. So I hope you guys enjoy these because this is going to be very interesting. So the first one is from a gal here in Sydney, Australia. She's originally from Mexico, and I'm not going to say her name because it is a little bit personal, but she said this. So she said, I thought I was more conscious about protecting my heart while dating and not getting invested too quick, but obviously I failed because I replay these scenarios over in my head all the time about what happens. I'm very hard on myself for it. So I guess struggling with always replaying things over in my head. I wasn't completely sure if she meant here that she replays the good moments and she kind of like falls too quickly because she really romanticizes things, which I fully understand. And I would say I'm more on that side of the spectrum if I were to put myself here. Um, Or if it's more like she replays the bad things and like overanalyzes it and kind of like psychs herself out. Either way, I've heard people go through both things and I totally understand it. And you're definitely not alone. Because kind of along the same lines as this one, I have another one that's kind of like similar. You guys will see what I mean. She is from the USA. Again, I think everyone's just going to be basically anonymous (laughs) because it's all pretty personal. Um, But she said, I overthink everything. Like, am I okay? I just always have intrusive thoughts and it Fs me over in relationships every time. Makes me insecure in myself and what I have to offer in relationships, which... Again, this one is so interesting because relationships really highlight things in us. Like if you didn't realize you were a certain way, oh my gosh, get into a relationship with someone and they will tell you. And I'm not saying you can always trust the other person because obviously they're biased because they're fighting for what they think is right or whatever in the relationship, but it is true. Things come out when you are in a relationship. 
That includes things that we need to work on that are just like cold, hard facts, things that we're like, damn, I really need to work on that on myself. It will come out. But also just like insecurities that you didn't realize you had can really come out in relationships as well. And I said this to her, so I'm basically just going to read it to you guys. But I said, if you don't feel like you have a lot to offer in relationships, the relationship won't necessarily help that unless the other person is very intentional about constantly affirming you in this, um, which you can get, but you can't necessarily expect it right away from everyone. And of course, if you get into a proper relationship with someone, you can communicate to them that words of affirmation is an important love language for you. And you guys can talk about your love languages and you can figure out what works for you guys and see how you can love each other better in ways that actually translates to both of you. Um, But it's hard to kind of ask for that early on. And I think when there's like a lack of commitment, that can be like a really difficult situation. But if you have someone who's there and they are committed to you, then I don't think there's ever a bad time in a relationship to have a conversation and to communicate with your partner. No one has ever made their relationship better by just not communicating and by letting things go and by ignoring problems because that is where issues really start to happen. Like, yes, pick and choose your battles, but if you're struggling with something, I think you should always tell your partner because you'd be surprised. Like, you probably will look at your partner and say, honestly, I feel like I don't have anything to offer. And they'll go, oh my God, what are you talking about? You have so much to offer. And then hopefully they can be really encouraging for you in the future around this topic. And honestly, how they respond to you telling them that will say a lot to you about their character because hopefully you are with someone who really would consider how you're feeling and would really take you seriously. One last thing I wanted to say about overthinking um, before I move on to any of the other honest thoughts is give you guys a quick resource, which it's called the Anti-Anxiety Notebook. And basically it follows cognitive behavioral therapy um, and it's it's made by therapists. So if you guys have ever been to a counselor, it's pretty like it's a pretty common um, way of dealing with basically obsessive thoughts and thoughts that you might have um, that have, are driven by anxiety. And basically what you do is you write down what happened what was going through your mind at the time where you like describe the thought and then you write down emotions and you write down how much you're feeling those emotions and then you look at the patterns and you recognize what ways of thinking you might be you know falling under so I'll list them quickly here so there's all or nothing thinking blaming others catastrophizing emotional reasoning fortune telling labeling magnifying the negative mind reading, minimizing the positive, overgeneralization, self-blaming, and should statements. So to actually really understand what all those properly mean, you can go and do some research on it, of course. You can get the book. It's it's honestly so, so good. It's such a good like physical way to sit down and write out these thoughts and to like really understand how you think automatically about situations so that you can change the way that you process things. Like it's quite interesting to learn. Okay, I'm someone who I often do like the fortune telling one. So I often just say, oh, this isn't going to work out and no one's going to want want to be around me when I do blah, blah, blah. Like it's a fortune telling, you know, and it's one that I do a lot. And I didn't know that until I started really following this practice. And it's interesting because like mind reading is different to fortune telling because fortune telling is like you're assuming what is going to happen, whereas mind reading is assuming what other people believe or think about you or a situation, which is completely different. And I just find it so interesting and so helpful. So you write down which ways of thinking you're following. And then the last question is, how can you think about the situation differently? And then you kind of like brainstorm what it would look like to think about this situation without um, it being fear filled and kind of like anxiety provoking. And it's such a good practice when you're overthinking and you're dealing with these thoughts. It comes right from cognitive behavioral therapy and it's actually really, really common There's been quite a few different interpretations of this form of cognitive behavioral therapy. And if you look up automatic negative thoughts, you'll find a lot on that as well. So if you literally look up automatic negative thoughts and go to Google images, there's a whole bunch of like PDFs and like really, really good resources there. So that's a little freebie from me. (laughs) There you go. Wow. All my years of therapy has just paid off. Love that. 
All right, I'm going to do the last two honest thoughts that I've got from you guys, and then we're going to get into the episode. So this one comes from my lovely friend, Dessa, in Niagara, Canada, which is where I'm from. And so I'm just going to read um, exactly what she wrote because she told me it's fine and she doesn't need to be anonymous. She said, there is a fine line between enjoying your alone time slash your own company and isolating yourself in an unhealthy way. In the moment, I think I'm having the best time with myself, but I find myself burning out more when I don't spend time with the people that I love. Wow. I thought this was like so interesting and so true because it's really hard when you don't really consider yourself like a strong, like outgoing extrovert type of person, but you also don't really consider yourself to be like a full introvert person. And I know her well, so I, I can assume these things about her. Um, but I'm like that as well, where I'm like very much in the middle. And so it's really hard to know sometimes when social things are happening, like, do I want to go? Is that actually what I want right now? Is that actually going to help me? Like it can actually be such a hard, um, thing to find balance with. And so I love that she's working on that. And I love that she's acknowledging that sometimes she makes the wrong choice and she, pushes herself to stay inside a little bit too much. And she actually doesn't get enough of that time with people and socializing. And so anyways, I love that you're just being fully honest with yourself and you're moving forward in this because that's all we could ever want. All right, guys, this is the last one. This has been a long little honest thought segment today, but I'm kind of enjoying it because I love hearing your guys' stories. So thanks for sending them in. Okay, so I've had a girl who is here in Sydney. She's, of course, going to be anonymous for this one. I should say as well for her, yes, she's in Sydney right now, but she's actually from Canada as well. Woohoo! But basically, she told me over voice messages, so I'm just going to give you guys like an overall summary of what she was saying to me. But basically, she grew up with a very strong Christian influence in her life, and it's very common in that whole world that women aren't really like meant to be dressing kind of like provocatively. I don't even want to say that word because I don't like that word, but basically she grew up with this whole mindset and recently being in a relationship has caused her to feel a lot of judgment towards girls when they dress this way because it basically just brings up all those thoughts that was kind of put on her when she was younger. So for example, she has a boyfriend and he follows girls that he went to school with and they'll post photos in bikinis or like even lingerie, whatever. But most people would, you know, not think that's the end of the world. Whereas it actually makes her quite uncomfortable to know that her boyfriend is potentially seeing these photos of these girls. And it's not that she's necessarily jealous of them or thinks that he wants them, but it's just this kind of like judgment of like, why is she even posting that? And it's really interesting what she was saying to me. Um, She was even saying to me that growing up, she was really told, the message that men can't control themselves and we can't dress a certain way because men can't control how they're going to react. And she didn't realize that she like had that so ingrained in her and she had those thoughts about her boyfriend, like the, what if he's seeing these photos and he can't control himself and, you know, he cheats or whatever. She didn't realize that those original thoughts that she was taught at such a young age have instilled such a fear in her and is actually kind of like causing, I guess, issues in the relationship just purely because it's a deeply ingrained thought in her that she needs to work on and she needs to move on from. And this is her saying this, obviously, I'm not judging her situation. She's told me she wants to really work on this. Um, But I thought that one was so interesting. And I've heard this before from so many other girls. So I just wanted to share this, that if you've ever had this in a relationship or you have found that your overall jealousy or judgment towards other women is heightened, especially if you grew up in the church, that this is actually really common and just makes complete sense to me. Like once she said said it to me, I was like, hundred percent, that makes so much sense. And she was even saying to me, it's not even really necessarily a jealousy thing. Like I'm not jealous of these girls. I just, I feel uncomfortable knowing that he is seeing these things, but I don't even want him to unfollow all these girls because I want to be able to follow people that I grew up with. It's just this weird thing. A lot of the time it's because we genuinely have like ingrained beliefs in us that are there purely just because we heard them growing up. And this is a huge thing that I talk about with you guys when it comes to these honest thoughts is making sure that we're addressing them. Like that's the whole purpose of this segment is 
asking you guys, what are these thoughts that you have that come up? What are these situations that you have come up that you actually need to address or it's going to hurt your relationships? It's going to hurt your life. So thank you guys again for being so vulnerable and for being honest and for working on yourself and making the world a better place because you are doing so. Love you so much. All right, it is time to get into the proper topic, I should say, of today's podcast, which is eating healthy and getting us to actually eat healthy. This is like one of the hardest things. And I find people really struggle with this. And they message me a lot um, around just questions around this topic. Like, I want to eat healthier, but I don't know what foods to eat. Or I want to look a certain way, but what diet should I follow? Or do you have any tips on like eating better or losing weight. Like I get these questions, you guys have no idea so often. And a lot of the time it actually kind of like breaks my heart because a lot of the time it's people who definitely don't need to lose weight. Um, or I feel like it's really coming from a vulnerable place. And I just want to hug all of you and tell you all that you are beautiful and you don't need to change anything. But I understand that if you're in a place where you do want to change something and someone just says, oh, don't worry, you don't need to change anything, that can be really frustrating, especially if you genuinely just want some like little tips from that person. So I thought it would be great to just make like a full episode talking to you guys about this topic because um, there are things that have really worked for me and I'd love to share them with you. So here we go. Number one is find foods that you love that love you back. And this is something that I've gotten from Dr. Daniel Amen, who I love. He wrote the book, um, The End of Mental Illness, I believe it's called. And he is just incredible. I love his book. Um, He has so many books, actually. Um, and he talks specifically about brain health and he does these crazy brain scans and he talks about how all these changes that he helps people make in their lives, um, really helps their overall mental health. And it literally changed the way that I think about mental health. Anyways, he's incredible, but he has this idea that if you basically find foods that you genuinely enjoy, but they also love you back and they make your body um, respond really well and you don't have any um, things that we're going to talk about after like bloating and all those kinds of things that can be signs of your body not loving those foods, then you should really make sure that you are eating those foods. The idea is that you're going to make a list. So what you can either do, and you can choose how you do this, but either sit down after this podcast or whenever you have the opportunity, sit down and start to make a list of these foods, or you can have an ongoing list, which is something that I prefer to do because it really helps me with having diversity in my overall diet. But basically what you're looking for is just recognizing how foods Um, make your body respond. So things that have been triggers for me or things that I've noticed with my body have been bloating is a huge one. Um, I've even gotten to the point where I'm able to notice when I have brain fog, which some people it's like really prominent and they notice it right away, right after they eat something. For me, it's quite subtle. So the fact that I've been able to kind of like notice it over time is quite actually like an achievement for me because it actually is um, something really interesting. When you start to listen to your body after you eat food, it's going to change you. Like you're going to start to realize like, oh my gosh, like every time I eat this, my day just isn't as good or I'm not as productive or I don't feel as, you know, energized or whatever it is. And there are certain things that you'll notice, you know, after a big meal, you feel kind of tired or you feel a little bit heavier, lethargic, that kind of thing. Start to really notice these things and how your body feels after you eat foods. And this also includes how it feels good after you eat foods. Like for me, a meal that I know for me is just like perfect is avocado toast. Okay. This meal, I have everything I need in there. And I'll talk about that after as well, but it makes me feel good. Like I have it on gluten-free toast, which is gluten is a bit of a trigger for me. I am getting my healthy fats and I'm getting some vitamins and I'm really, I enjoy it. Like I really do enjoy it. It's just like the perfect meal for me. So ideally this is what you're doing. You are finding these foods like avocado toast on gluten-free toast. For example, that's my example. You're finding these foods and you're writing them down on the list. Okay. Hopefully I didn't make that confusing or whatever. That's all you have to do is you have to start to listen to your body. And that's really the challenge of this whole step is becoming more intuitive with your body and listening to your body. Because when I talk about intuitive eating, that's really all I'm talking about. Like if you guys listen to my episode where I talk specifically about going from literally having an eating disorder to now being someone who eats intuitively, 
eating intuitively is just listening to your body. Like it's just before you're eating something going, oh, how is that going to make me feel? Am I going to feel more tired? Okay. What am I doing with my day? Like, is it the end of the day? Could I actually, you know, be a little bit tired and it's fine. Or am I needing to get a lot of work done today? Like being able to know those things about yourself is actually so empowering because you really get to like choose your mood. Like it really goes along with that whole idea of being able to like choose your life, choose your day, choose how things are going to go for you and speak those things over yourself and like affirm those things into your life because you are literally choosing the foods that are going to go into your body that are going to affect how your day goes and how really your overall like week, month, life goes. Like it really does carry out. Obviously, we know the foods that we eat have an effect on us. And someone who eats, you know, burgers and fries and doesn't drink any water and gets no sleep every single day, they are going to look and feel and be different to the person who doesn't do that and eats in a more balanced way and drinks water and gets sleep and does all the good things. You know, it's going to be a big difference. Like those are two different people. So let's really recognize that like early on in this episode that the food that we eat like really does make up who we are. You know, you are what you eat. It really, it really rings true when you start to recognize it in your own body. This is the last thing I'll say about this point, but for reference, when I started my list, I had maybe like genuinely probably only three or four meals on there. And you do want to be trying to do meals or even snacks is fine as well, of course, but try not to put individual foods. Like don't start a list and write down avocado, carrot, celery, cucumber, you know, like don't write down every individual ingredient necessarily, um, unless, you know, that's just a snack for you, but try to really think like realistically when it comes to meals and what you're actually going to be eating, because the point is you want to be able to reference, um, this list in the future to go back to, to choose, okay, that's what I'm going to have today for dinner. When you're sat there and you're going, Hmm, what should I eat today? This should be a helpful like resource that you are actually creating for yourself. Okay. Secondly, you want to try to get healthy fat, protein, and fiber in every meal if you can, or as many meals as you can. Like some snacks, you might not really be able to get it all in there, but especially in your day, you definitely want to get all these things. And like you, you will to some extent naturally just with what you eat, you already kind of get those things, but trying to make sure that you're actually getting um, enough of those things is important. This is just a stat that's specifically American, but did you know that 95% of Americans don't get enough fiber? 95, like that's crazy. And I know I've heard people talk about like in comparison to the way we used to eat like hundreds, you know, even thousands of years ago, our fiber intake just used to be so much higher. Whereas now with the way that foods are processed and even just the shift from when we started getting these big chain restaurants and things like that, like we've just cut out a lot of the good stuff for the sake of saving money. And yeah, it's had quite a negative overall impact on people's health. And it's really important that you recognize that the regular, you know, American standard diet, for example, doesn't actually have enough fiber. Like what's normal is not good. I've heard this from Dr. Jolene Brighton, who is just a genius when it comes to um, women's hormones. And she specifically talks about how making sure that you are getting your fat, protein, and fiber in every meal can really help to balance your hormones, which is so incredible. And something I haven't even mentioned yet is the fact that what you put in your body affects your hormones. So, and this obviously is not just for the ladies, like this is for whoever. Um, Your hormones are so important and your hormones affect how you think and how you live your life and how you feel like so much. And it's so important that we think about balancing them. And she specifically references um, this way of eating when you're coming off of birth control, which I've talked about, obviously, in my coming off of birth control, um, the birth control, hormonal birth control pill, um, this episode that I made a while ago. I do talk about Dr. Jolene Brighton in it because she's a genius. And so this specifically does come from her, but I've also heard it from other doctors as well, just when it comes to getting a healthy, balanced diet in general um, and how it affects your mental health as well. The idea here is that you will stay fuller longer 
that your body is getting what it needs to actually fuel your body. And especially with the fiber, you're giving your body the opportunity to digest the food fully and have regular bowel movements, which is really important for digestion and weight loss and feeling comfortable in your body as well. Like if you are constipated, you are going to feel bloated and lethargic and you're going to feel more fatigued because of that. Does that make sense? So you're going to be very much affected by not only the food that you put in your body, but the fact that it's not able to leave your body. And that can cause a lot of issues. Um, even just like when it comes to your overall health, not even just with how you feel or how you look, but with your overall like intestinal, um, health, not being able to have regular daily bowel movements can actually cause a lot of problems. So keep an eye on that. All right. Point number three is to, and this can be a separate list or it can be kind of a part of the same list that you are doing when it comes to writing down the foods that you love that love you back. Um, but make a list of the regular foods that you eat. So if you already, like when you sit down to do this writing foods down that you love that love you back list, if you can't think of any, like if you are like, everything I eat is trash and I don't know what to do about it, which it's okay. We've all had those seasons. You know, if you're in that, that's fine, but make your list, just writing down the foods you normally eat. Like, okay, I normally eat like packet noodles. Okay, great. What else do I eat? I normally eat fries and chicken nuggets. Okay, great. Write it down. Like write those things down. And what we're going to do now, instead of trying to come up with random foods that you know are healthy that you don't actually like is we're going to look at the foods you already like and we're going to try to switch out individual items or aspects about that meal to make it a little bit healthier and to upscale that meal. Generally, people know the difference between something that's healthy and something that's unhealthy. Generally, people understand, you know, for example, that fried fries are going to be not as healthy as a baked potato. You know, a lot of the time, you know that, and I'm sure you guys <laughs> know that and know a lot of these things like, you know, is Nutella better on toast for you or is an avocado better on toast for you? Most of you will go, well, the avocado. So I don't need to sit here and tell you what's healthy and what's not healthy, but I'll give you some examples of things that I have genuinely switched in my diet that have made my diet um, better. That has been like an upscaling of my diet. One example is I traded out dairy milk for an alternative milk. Normally I have like oat milk now, sometimes soy milk, but usually oat milk. There can be some traces of gluten in it, but it's like so minimal. I never notice any issues with my stomach or anything. So oat milk is my go-to. I just wanted to add quickly, the reason I do keep mentioning um, some of the intolerances I have is because they're common. So um, gluten intolerance is like so, so, so common. Even if you're not celiac, it's very common and it's a big trigger for a lot of people. Um, so is dairy. So that's why I'm talking about it here as well. What's really interesting about this is I remember when I first traded it out thinking, oh, how am I going to get my calcium? But as I did some research, I'm realizing or have realized, I guess a while ago, that you really don't get a really great amount of calcium from dairy milk. Like, of course you do get some, but there are so many foods that have so much more calcium than dairy. I keep saying dairy milk. Is that what I mean to be saying? Like cow's milk, you know what I'm talking about. A lot of like leafy green vegetables, like kale, also like nuts and seeds. Um, I believe tofu is another one. Like all of those are just examples of foods that have more calcium than drinking cow's milk. And it's really interesting because when I was in, I think it was like grade four, I had to do this whole project. And I remember everyone had to do this project basically saying why it's so important that we get our cow's milk and why we eat dairy basically. And I think like cheese was a part of it um, as well and like yogurts and stuff like that. And you had to like do this whole project. And I think it might've even been like a Bristol board kind of project. You know what I'm talking about. And we had to say why it was so important and why we really, really, really needed to drink this cow's milk. But like it isn't necessarily like all of that isn't really founded on um, the science of where we should be getting our calcium. A lot of it has to do with how overall, like these huge companies are able to influence, I should say, I'm trying to say this like nicely, but influence how we are taught when it comes to our education around food, basically to build up that business as a whole. It's quite the little conspiracy <laughs> and it's quite, it's not a conspiracy. It's true, but 
it's it's quite a full-on conversation that we won't fully get into right now, but it's interesting if you take note of those things that you learned in school and kind of ask yourself like, mm, was that legit? Is that true? Is this my only way of getting calcium? Is this necessary? This is our, These are the kind of things that are kind of going to come up, I should say, as you're trading things out. Okay. Also, I'm not trying to like shit on the education system. I feel like this happens in all my episodes where it sounds like I'm just like hating on someone. I'm totally not. If you got any education around nutrition, honestly, in school, then that's even a plus because a lot of people don't even get that in general or don't recall getting any like sustainable, helpful information on nutrition. Um, And also on top of that, there's like new studies and new things that are coming out where we can actually see that it's above and beyond dairy that we can get our calcium from. So it's not like the teachers, obviously, um, or even necessarily the people in the school boards that are causing these issues. You know, I'm not trying to say anything like that. I'm just saying that it's important that we reevaluate and we don't just like follow the same thing we've always followed just because that's how things are, you know? Another one has been with chocolate. So I used to eat a lot of like milk chocolate. Like I just loved it. It was like my little go-to, you know, super yum. But I realized over time that I could enjoy dark chocolate if I found a good one. And I always used to think like, "Mm, I want to start eating dark chocolate because I know with dark chocolate, you can get a lot of magnesium and zinc and iron. Whereas with milk chocolate, because of the, the, the things added to it, basically to, you know, for a lot of people make it taste nicer, smoother, whatever, sweeter, all those kinds of things. Um, you lose a lot of that. And I really wanted to get into dark chocolate. So I found a really good one and I basically trained myself to enjoy it. And now I can't even eat milk chocolate. Now the, even like the idea of having like some cheap, like chocolate bar, that's milk chocolate. I'm like, no, like it just tastes so fake. And like, like, I don't even know what the word is to explain it. Like kind of like slimy, ew, like ew. (laughs) But again, that's been because I've been able to train myself into it and I, I did it intentionally. The last example I'll give of this one because I need to get moving on with the points is having more plant-based meals, which has been proven in so many studies to be just like the ultimate best way of eating when it comes to so many factors, like definitely including the environment and how we affect the environment by farming um, animals, but also just like how it affects your body. Um, So many diseases are preventable you know, and so many of them we don't prevent because of our diet, or I guess I should say like we literally cause them in our bodies even because of our diet. Um, so I try as much as I can to have plant-based meals or vegetarian meals or vegan meals. Um, although I'm not 100% vegan, like I have learned for myself that restricting myself by saying, okay, you have to be 100% vegan. It's just not good for me mentally. And it doesn't work. Like it causes me to, not do it properly and basically just not eat enough and then just kind of like binge at the end of the day. Like it's not helpful for me. But if I can say to myself, yes, I generally want to be more plant-based and I get better at finding more plant-based alternatives, you know, instead of getting say chicken breast on my salad, doing like nice pumpkin or cauliflower, something like that. Um, if I can get better at doing that, I, I can like it more and more over time, which is true. Even for example, the other day I went and got a bacon and egg roll at a cafe, which this is like not a good example of a food that helps me. I knew that. Like I was like, ooh, I really want it. But I knew it was like literally gluten, it's egg and cheese um, and bacon. So like it's quite heavy on the side of like foods I don't want to be eating regularly. But we were at a restaurant, like it wasn't, you know, something I would normally eat, okay? Okay. So I got that. But even halfway through, I was like, okay, this is too much. Like I just was like, I was full and I didn't feel very good. And I actually picked off some of the bacon and I just ate kind of like around it. Like it's really interesting over time how your body can learn to prefer things that you give it. If you tell your body you're not eating as much meat, it's not going to crave as much meat. If you tell your body we're eating dark chocolate now and it will start to enjoy the dark chocolate. Like I'm telling you, your body adapts. Like it is so cool how our body adapts to the environment and the things that we give it. So yes, I want to point out that it can take some time to switch over to these things and to enjoy these things, but it's definitely worth it. Saying that, I just want to lastly like add to this point that you do not have to switch out every item. You don't, like you really do not. And this is that kind of like, 
balance approach. This is that 80-20 approach, you know, 80% healthy, 20% unhealthy or cheat food or whatever you want to call it. Like you don't have to trade everything out. If you eat pretty healthy regularly, but you just like love Dunkin' Donuts or, you know, you, you love your cream in your coffee, in your sugary, sugary coffee, and you just love it. That's the only way you enjoy your coffee. Then freaking keep it. Okay. Like you need to not go crazy here. You need this to be sustainable. And this whole approach when it comes to switching things out in our diet and doing it over a period of time and keeping this ongoing list of foods that you love that love you back, like this is an approach that is sustainable and changes the way that you eat long-term, like for the rest of your life. And this is the goal. The goal is not to put you on a diet that you're going to be on for four weeks, you know, and then you're going to finish the diet and you're going to go, oh, thank God I can finally eat all these things again. Like, no, that's, that's not what we want. That's yo-yo dieting. That's guilt and and shame inducing. It's not going to help you long-term. The goal here is to give you something that is going to change the rest of your life. Like that's what I want you to leave this podcast with. And that's what I want you to go and do now going forward. If this is something you want to take on. Unless you are literally doing the elimination diet, which is something that you can look into. I'm not going to explain it here, but literally just look it up. It'll, there'll be explanations there. If you look up Dr. Daniel Amen as well, when you look up this um, elimination diet, he has a really good explanation of it and he can help you kind of get through that there. But unless you're doing something like that, where you're literally using an elimination diet to find out what foods cause your body to not respond well, I personally would not recommend you just going in and saying, okay, we are flat having um, no carbs, you know, or no sugar or no salt. Like when people do that, I just think it is so intense and it can like some people enjoy it. Some people it works for them. You know, I'm not completely saying it, it never works, but a lot of people it's very restrictive and it's really hard to do consistently. So I would not recommend that. All right. Okay, let's get into point number four, which is buying healthier groceries. So first off, I just want to say never go grocery shopping when you are super hungry or you're having cravings. I have learned this like actually genuinely really helps the way that I shop. For example, the other day I was like craving just whatever, just shit food. And Sam and I, Sam, my husband, went grocery shopping and I... Like, I don't know what I was even craving. I just wanted like chips. Like I wanted fried food. I wanted, you know, all the things. I wanted like white bread. Like, I don't know what was going on. I think I was on my period, but I just like was craving those things, right? And so I noticed when I was grocery shopping that I was about to buy like literally all those things, like frozen food, chips, um, like my chocolate, um, all these things, right? And I was gonna buy these croissants, like plain croissants, which I would never normally eat, but- I kind of took a second. I was like, okay, I'm not going to eat all of this right now. So it's okay that I'm craving food. It's okay that I'm going and buying food that I'm craving. But why don't I make sure that I'm only buying food that I'm actually going to eat right now? Not that I'm stocking up on food that is craving food. You don't want to be craving all of these things all at once and then go and buy all of it and have it in your cupboard. Because like I said, it's not likely that you're going to sit there and eat all of it in one sitting. And if you are tempted to do that, then it's not really ideal that you buy all those all that food because you're not going to feel good. Like again, we want to feel good. It's not, it's not about gaining weight or whatever. Because again, of course, one meal, and this is another thing, one meal is not going to change your weight. One meal is not going to make or break your diet. Like it's not, get that out of your head. But buying all of it at one time and having it sit in your cupboard for the whole next week and picking at, you know, all the different frozen foods that you've had and your chips and your um, croissants that you wouldn't normally have, it affects then, of course, your diet for that week. And that can affect your body and your lifestyle and your habits. So I would recommend going when you feel motivated. Like for me, if I go to the gym I feel like I want to eat so good after. That's just me personally. Um, I think it's a great time for me to go. Even if I'm hungry, I feel like hungry, but like motivated to eat well. (laughs) So that's a good time for me to go grocery shopping. But first off, find that time for you, whatever is going to be the best for you. That might be with someone, Um, like genuinely, like when people talk about having like a, a buddy that you go to the gym with, like 
have a buddy that you get groceries with. Like that could be really helpful. Or for you, it might be more stressful and you just want to focus and do it on your own. Then just do it on your own. And of course, what you're going to be doing here is you're going to be using this list of foods that you love, that love you back, including some of the things that you might have switched out when you've written those things down. Also, including the fact that you're taking your fat, your protein, and your fiber into account. Use this list and this work that you've done and buy groceries based off of that list. So of course, you know, if you've written down avocado toast, write down, you need to buy avocados, you need to buy lime, you need to buy your spices. If you don't already have them, you need to buy um, your gluten-free toast, you know, think of all these things and write those things individually down on your list. So you have everything that you need to make these, these items that you're going to be making It's obviously it's going to be individual to you. You don't necessarily have to do it all at once. Maybe the next time you go grocery shopping, the only thing you switch out is your milk, your chocolate and like one snack you instead of getting chips that you normally get get like the veggie straws or you know something like that where it's just going to be a little bit lighter popcorn is another good one i love making popcorn i make popcorn all the time it is like such an airy light snack i never feel like heavy or like i never feel sick or anything after it it's just so easy it's not like incredible when it comes to nutritional value, but it's a good and better version for me than the chips in comparison. So do you see what I'm doing? I'm finding that balance without saying, oh, you want to have chips? Sorry, you're going to be eating nuts. Like only, only almonds for you. Like it's, it's not doing that because that's not sustainable for most people, I should say. This way, you're not walking into the grocery store just thinking, okay, I want to eat healthy. And then you're buying like random stuff that you're not going to end up using, you know, like random almond butters and a whole bunch of fruit that you don't know how to use that you would never just eat on its own and random ingredients. Like I used to do that where I would spend so much money and I would just go to like the health food aisle and I would just buy a whole bunch of weird like protein bars and like granolas and just things that like I don't eat, you know, and it's, it's so foreign to what you normally eat that you never go to eat it. It just sits in your cupboard for like ever. And you know, it's not based off of what you normally eat. So that's why we need to really take all these steps beforehand, before we just run to the grocery store and go crazy and spend a million dollars and then still end up just wanting to eat out all the time. All right. Point number five is start to see gaps. So once you start doing this, you're going to start noticing little gaps in your diet. Like, okay, I like, I'm actually really good with planning a good dinner, for example. And I have a good little snack that I eat at the end of the day, but like my breakfast game is just like not good. Like I have no breakfast. Like I always wake up and just pick at the first thing I see in the cupboard. Like you need to get yourself excited about breakfast. So a way to do this, I would recommend if you're just like, you don't even know where to start. I would start on like Pinterest. You can, you know, Google it, whatever you can look up like healthy vegetarian breakfast or, you know, healthy gluten-free breakfast, whatever your thing is that you're trying to kind of work around potentially if you have any allergies or any issues like that, um, intolerances like myself, dairy intolerance, for example, Oof. um, if you're using any of those things or going around any of those things, include it in the title and kind of look those things up and get inspired and find photos of things that you go, Ooh, that looks really good. Like I'd actually really enjoy that and try to make that thing and get good at making that one thing and just start with one breakfast, you know, and then get better and better and add more and more things. And again, this is a gradual thing that you're working towards. Potentially with finding these gaps, it might be just that you're starting, you know, eating a little bit too late. Like it might just be when you're eating. It might not necessarily be the things that you're eating. You will obviously expect to have some gaps because you're not going to be constantly eating. You want to give your body time to digest your food. So make sure that you are doing that. And if you're someone that really struggles with like constantly snacking, honestly, just refer back to what I said earlier when it comes to getting protein, fat, and fiber in all your meals. It likely isn't that you're genuinely hungry hungry or you have an issue with um, like your leptin hormone, which is the hormone that tells your body that you're full, it's likely not something that intense. It's likely <laughs> that you are just not getting food in you that is actually filling you and is actually like good quality food. You're probably just eating snacky foods all day long that is just going right through you or isn't giving you enough value. So I would say if you're someone who really struggles with snacking, just try to look at what you're eating when you're actually intentionally eating like a meal, for example, and assess that first and likely the snacking will get better. 
or if it is like just a trained, you know, habit and your body's just so used to it, you do need to kind of train yourself out of it. So you need to get used to, you know, not eating for a few hours, like going, okay, I'm having my breakfast now and I'm not going to eat until around 12. Of course, if you are starving at 11 o'clock, then you're going to eat. But it's about kind of like just getting a little bit more mindful about the way that you eat and when you eat. The last thing I'll note with this point is another way you might notice um, a gap is if you're really hungry right before you go to bed, this is really common as well. People struggle with this where you kind of eat dinner a little bit too early or you don't let yourself have any kind of like snack or dessert or whatever it is after dinner and you get so starving towards bedtime. So another thing with that is just making sure that again, you're eating at, you know, the right times, the optimal times, and you're going to bed early enough that you're not getting so starving at 12 o'clock and eating right before bed because generally you don't want to be eating too close to bed. It's not just to do again with weight loss. It has a lot to do with how you sleep and making sure you're getting good sleep is really important for your overall like bodily health, which you guys know that, but just your immune function and the way that basically when you're sleeping, and I think I might do an episode properly on sleep. Let me guys, hello, let me know if you guys want that episode. Because when you're sleeping, basically your brain is like taking out the trash, like it is pruning the synapses in your brain. It is helping you consolidate memory. It is it's helping you do better in your next day. Like sleep is so so important, and eating too close to bed can affect that, um, and can affect your overall quality of sleep, and even just comfort falling asleep and all those things. So we want to ideally not be eating too close to bedtime. There are so many different opinions on what. What that actually means. So I'll leave that up to your research, but I usually go, try to go a few hours if possible. <laughs> We're not perfect. We do our best. Okay. All right. I think that's basically all I want to say when it comes to like the kind of practical steps there. My last point is basically just as you're using these tips, take note of your mental health and check in. Like make sure you really know your why. And even if you want to lose weight, like know that it's going to be about so much more than that. And it's going to be about how you feel and how you sleep and how you live and how your body functions and your immune system and all these things, like really consider these things and let that be your why, because I'm telling you, it is so much more encouraging than losing weight. Like the moment I shifted my mindset to eating for me, not just eating for how I look. Oh my God. Like that is what really changed things for me. I'm telling you guys that might take journaling for you. That might take having a conversation with someone or telling even your partner, like, you know, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. This is how I want to live my life. And this is something I really want to change. Like, do you want to do this together? Or can you support me in this? Like, understand that this is um, an emotionally charged thing. A lot of the time, how we eat and how it makes us feel and how we feel about our bodies and our confidence. A lot of these things are really um, intertwined. And I want you to recognize that part of this journey as well and not just try to take the emotion out of it. Like, I don't want you to try to push that away because you need to embrace that part of this journey as well. This is going to make all these changes that you make so much more sustainable and it's going to change your whole life. And that should really be the goal. I want you to have more confidence after you do this. I want you to not look better necessarily. I want you to feel better. I want you to feel stronger. I want you to have more energy to do the things that you're passionate about. Like this is about changing our lives. This isn't just about like losing 10 pounds. Like I want you to see more than that here. All these things that I mentioned are like really, really great ways to help you eat healthier, especially if you've struggled with an eating disorder or if you've been affected by diet culture, which we all have in some way, some more than others. But even if you've just felt guilt around certain foods or you've felt like, oh my gosh, like I feel like I've gained weight. I feel like I don't like, I don't look how I want to look like all those kind of emotionally charged things. Like this is a really good approach that is going to steer you away from things like calorie counting or constantly weighing yourself. And I'm not saying you can't ever count calories some people love it. I hate it. I hate it. I think it is so damaging and it's personally not something that I recommend, but some people like it. And if you like it, live your best life. Honestly, if it works for you, it works for you. And if weighing yourself works for you, I think it's totally okay to weigh yourself. I wouldn't necessarily weigh yourself 
every single day. I know some people do, of course, but your weight can fluctuate with so many different things like your hormones and what you eat. And like, even if you've gone to the bathroom or not, like so many things that are just so like, I think silly to base how you're going to feel about how well you've been doing when it comes to your diet. So I personally wouldn't do it that much, but if you are on a big like weight loss journey, it can definitely be something that can be motivating. I would also encourage you to choose and work on choosing to love your body right now before you see any changes in your body. So regardless of if you do end up losing weight, if that's the goal for you, or if you end up, you know, feeling a million times better, all these things, which you will feel better. I can tell you that much. But before those things happen, you really should, if you can, try to work on choosing to love yourself now because that really is so helpful. And the more you love yourself and learn to love yourself right now, the more you're going to want to invest in the future of you because you're going to see so much value in you and you're going to go, I have all these amazing passions and ideas and I have all these amazing qualities and I want those things to be able to come out and I want to be able to help people and I want to be able, like you're going to see that you have value and you can help people. So you're going to want to feel better and feel stronger and have more energy so you can help more people. Like it's about having that foundation. And that's something that I, of course, would love to make a podcast on as well. There's so much coming up, guys. I'm honestly so excited. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you learned something and you feel like you have some tips that you can actually bring into your life now. And I just I love talking about this topic. I hope it was encouraging for you. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, then please feel free to share it with someone or even for those of you that have been sharing it on your Instagram stories, like that means so much to me. You guys have no idea. I really think it is so cool that we can kind of share these resources around with each other, even in the podcast, how I tell you guys about different doctors and different people to look into. Like this isn't about me. (laughs) This is about the information and encouraging you guys to do your own research and to learn for yourself what works best for you. I really want you to leave these podcast episodes feeling um, inspired and supported. I've had people go ahead and share their own stories on Instagram or to people publicly because of certain episodes. And that means so much to me. So thank you guys so much for all the support. If you're on Spotify, you can follow. If you're on um, Apple Podcasts, even if you just have Apple Podcasts on your phone, you could always leave me like a little review. Like that helps me so much. It helps more people to see the podcast. And I think that's basically it. If you guys want to connect over on Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram. It's Alyssa Taylor Harper. And that's where I ask a lot of the questions and I prompt a lot of what we do on the podcast. So if you want to be a part of the podcast and you want to be a part of like the honest thought segment, for example, follow me over there and we'll chat over there as well. Or if you have any questions, of course, you can DM me. So I appreciate you guys. I hope you have a lovely day and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye guys. Bye.